Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, how you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday the 9th of May 2022 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 387. Just move the mic stand up a bit. The mic arm. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going. I'm just uh, hearing the traffic building up outside. I had to contact Thames Water again. Yesterday morning, let me just give you a time check, 0731 hours. I spent my Sunday unable to relax, had to have the phone on vibrate because Thames were meant to be sending engineers out again so I could show them once more the uh, the clean water or clean acid water covers, whatever they're called, that have been rattling for four years and are rattling again since the resurfacing work uh, a couple of months back. And uh, they said they'd be there and I, I said, look, This is right outside my property. I can come out and meet you guys and show them finally again where the rattling is happening and, you know, try and impress upon them how difficult it can be during the week to to do anything, to enjoy living in this place. I don't need to mention the mousetraps to them. To enjoy living in this place when you've got that level uh, of audio uh, going on outside every time a vehicle goes over the uh, manhole covers. Actually, a stop down heading north, there's another one of those rattling covers, I think, that's even louder. But the houses on that side, they're, they're further back. This this building is right by, you know, right on the road. It's just, uh, it's not as bad as, as it's been, but the resurfacing set it back. Other news, uh, I've given you the time check, haven't I? Other news, uh, my watch strap, which I'd glued, uh, broke again. So I'm having at the moment to wear the Garmin watch, or Garmin watch that I have, that I have no idea how to use. I've not been able to find a manual for it. And I've been using it, uh, or I've had it with me at stand-up gigs, just to have something on my wrist, you know. Uh, no, you know, some, some, some comedians wear those uh, wrists. Uh, bands a bit like Steve McManaman who still wears them in his 50s I think that's a very continental thing Uh, I think it also belongs to the younger man but just to have something on my wrist and I thought because it's got a digital screen it would be very useful I can maybe keep an eye which I never do although you know my sets are timed well enough to to know that, uh, that they should be coming in under time and not running over and I thought it would be useful and, uh, you know, long term I do need to invest in a digital watch just for the stand up. It would be really useful. The uh, standard clock face that I have on the broken watch, although I'm, well, I wouldn't say I'm fond of that watch, but it does the job. But uh, there's no light on it. So if I'm in a, you know, stand up uh, venue and it's dark, I can't actually see the time. But anyway, I don't know what this watch does it's uh, every now and then it vibrates. It started vibrating at one gig and I thought I, I shouldn't be wearing this because I have no idea 
how to stop the vibrating, how to stop these lights coming on. And I'm just looking silly when I'm on stage and this thing is starting to flash. And also cost-wise, you have to charge it all the time. So uh, and I need to deal with that. I've got the alarm clock in the bedroom actually working at the moment. I, I need to invest in some Poundland batteries this morning. Of course, it is the ultimate false economy. But my alarm clock has been losing. Over the weekend, it lost about three hours. And for some reason, normally I have a backup of Poundland batteries. But uh, at the moment, uh, I'm, I'm completely short of them. So that's a priority for this morning. Got to go to the post office as well before I head to the, the cafe today. And uh, there we go. How anal is that for a show opening? Uh, having lots of dreams about rodents. That is relentless. It's every night right now I'm dreaming about the different types of mousetraps I got here, the different types of baits, where the mice have appeared. You know, touch wood, nothing for a couple of weeks. The pest control guy came last week. He said that there were no signs that the baits had been uh, touched. So, you know, that's good. But of course, I am, I'm certainly not out of the woods and I'm, I'm not expecting this to be resolved anytime soon. I've had to contact the other residents and I've, I've said, look, the chances are best case scenario for me. Well, worst case scenario is this is going to be prolonged and I don't think three visits are going to be enough. Uh, I agreed with the pest control guy as the baits weren't touched last week that he would return not this Wednesday when he was originally meant to but the following Wednesday on the 18th I'm going to actually see if he can come back on the 19th because there's a new oven coming on the 18th it'll give me an opportunity to to clean behind the oven when the new one is brought over because you know you don't want to mess with um with gas and start pulling things out and uh, I've not been able to clean behind there properly the only spot in the kitchen. So it would make sense to get him here on the 19th. I realise now that I've yeah I've got a dental appointment on the morning of the 19th. Never mind, that can be sorted. Don't panic. There's still, what, uh, 10 days to work on that. But so we agreed that he would give uh, a week's space, uh, sorry, two weeks space to see what happens in a couple of weeks. We both agreed that three visits is unlikely to sort this out. So I've had to get on to the landlord and, and then press upon them the fact that it's likely... We'll need to get more visits uh, because this is going to be a long-term problem. But best case scenario, that's the worst case scenario, is this is going to drag and I'm going to have to continue living with this. And until those um, uh, cavities uh, in the bathroom and the kitchen are sealed off, I'm always going to be vulnerable here. So the chances are the mousetraps will always be out. And in recent times, I'd actually, to try and live better in this place visually, I didn't want to be waking up and the first thing I'm seeing in the mornings is, uh, you know, mouse traps and uh, you know trying to make the mouse traps uh, trying to hide them in uh, all the rooms in, in 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 the flat just for my own sake just so visually I'm not seeing them all the time but now that is very much not the case I need to see them they need to be visible so there will be no visitors because I'm not messing around with this stuff and I'm you know not moving them from from where the pest control guy has positioned them he knows better than me but it's just a very unpleasant way to live but the best case scenario for me is that I shift the problem from here to the other flats at the moment they've uh, the last few weeks they seem to be shuttling back and forth between myself and the flat across the landing Uh, we're on the top floor but every flat on the top two floors has had uh, problems over over the years and I've just said in an email look uh, I don't want to be you know, taking the I'm all right, Jack approach if I manage to shift this problem from my flat because it's going to 
reappear in one of your flats at some point. And uh, if you came to me with what I've come to you with, I would like to think that uh, I would do my bit for the community within the building and support you in that and get pest control in for myself, even if there is no apparent problem. You know, to the untrained eye, there may be no problem, but to pest control, they might see points of ingress and and, and signs of uh, activity. So surely it's in the interest of the whole building to be proactive on this and, and, and try and sort it out while it's going on. That doesn't seem to be the case. Only one resident has come back to me. The, the, the neighbour across the landing, to be fair, he's going abroad for a week or two. He's always travelling, he says, though, that's why. Hard Swallow there, 0739 hours. That's why he hasn't got pest control in yet. But uh, we were both in the communal landing speaking to pest control last week. I'd arranged with the neighbour to, to, to be out there. The pest control guy couldn't go into his flat you know, because he's not insured to do so because a site visit hasn't been agreed. But we were looking at the various entry points in the communal hallways because the building leans to one side. It's leaning on the side that I live on, and uh, that means that there are gaps between the wall and the communal stairs. You know, the wall seems to be pulling away slightly, so I've been putting in, stuffing in wire wall in any of the gaps. Just, uh, you know, it's unlikely the mice could be getting through there, but you never know because uh, these things can get through the uh, tiniest of holes, particularly the the females, they breed every three weeks. I don't know if I mentioned last week that the book I was reading, I couldn't get away from mice, whether I'm dreaming about them or just seeing the traps in, 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 in the flat. I was reading this book and it kept mentioning mice. I can't remember which of the books it was. It was the one I mentioned last week. And I was thinking, this is a really good book, but I don't need to be reading about mice and the frequency with which they uh, breed and how they eat their own young. Uh, I don't need to be reading this. I I need to get away from this. But uh, it wasn't possible. I finished the book, but I thought, I hope the next book doesn't uh, feature rodents. So that's where I am at the moment. Only one resident has actually got back to me. And that's one of the ground floor residents saying that they'll see if they can get pest control in. They're happy to get them in. Obviously, I'm concerned that they might incur some cost. The pest control guy said the nest is likely to be somewhere in the building. What pleased me is he told, that's the second hard swallow, 0741 hours. He told the uh, resident that I met with on the communal hallway, he said, look, this guy, meaning me, doesn't keep food in the flat. And those mice are still, you know, they've still been coming in. So that's that's the warning for everyone. So that pleased me because there's always that sense of shame, the embarrassment when you have a rodent problem. You you, you feel that people are going to start uh, judging you, that they're going to think, oh, this guy keeps a, a dirty flat. That's not the case. I don't leave food out. I put the bins out every day. Uh, I'm very careful. Uh, I clean regularly. Uh, the flat is messy, but it's not dirty. And uh, I, I was pleased that uh, he was able to go out of his way to, to say that uh, to uh, the uh, the guy across uh, the landing. You know, the what, what was that sound there? That's, uh, that's going to come in at around your time. That's going to be around 11, uh, 11 minutes, 20 seconds. You'll have heard that sound. Maybe pause the show, rewind it, and tell me what you think that sound, what that sound was. Yeah, the ground floor residents now, I'm... I'm the point is, he said that the nest is likely to be somewhere in the building, likely to be on the ground floors, that he said mice are harder to catch in this weather because of the warmer weather. Obviously, we haven't been having a warm spring, but at the moment, uh, it, 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 it's likely that I'm losing my thread here. The point being that if the mice can't find any food on the, you know, 
on this floor or the next floor, it's likely they go back down to the ground floor, which is where the nests are likely to be. It could be that the nest is actually in the flat next door, which has been empty, my old neighbor's flat, for a couple of years. There'll be no food there, but what there will be is the knowledge that they're not going to be disrupted by anyone. So they could be settling in there, although the old neighbor's brother has been in there recently to take a look and said he can see no signs of activity. It's likely the nest is going to be somewhere down on the on the uh, ground floor. But of course, what happens on you know ground floors, they tend to have gardens, they tend to have cats. Cats can bring in trophies, you know, rodents, birds, etc., which is another reason for me not to ever have a cat if I even if I lived on a ground floor. But you know, I've, I've lived on a ground floor briefly and you do get mice coming in through the garden it's probably not that big a deal the concern would be on the um, on the top two flats hard swallow 0743 let's move away from the mice no doubt they'll be back in my dreams uh tonight one of those weekends where i tried to avoid the uh the football reports after Liverpool dropped points. I did think that uh, they were lucky to even get a point on Saturday. I just thought Tottenham looked uh, more dangerous, particularly in that second half. And in the three or four minutes uh, minutes before Tottenham scored, I thought Tottenham are going to score here. And uh, it's just uh, it was inevitable. For you know, everyone talks about this Liverpool team and how great it is, and it, it's uh, it's an outstanding team defensively. I don't think it's been right this season it's been really sloppy at the back but it's a bit like United and Arsenal that uh, duopoly that were battling it out you know from the late 90s to the mid noughties before Abramovich bought Chelsea and finished off Arsenal as a as as, uh, you know an effective force uh, in English uh, football that United team won so many more trophies than Arsenal. And it's the same with City and Liverpool. You know, City's financial power is such that even Liverpool, who have so much money now, can't really compete with them. So Guardiola is you know, likely to claim his fourth league title in five seasons. Liverpool only won. You know, in any other era, maybe this, uh, this Liverpool team might have won more. And, uh, you know, the league is the one that I wanted this season rather than the uh, Champions League and the FA Cup. And it's going to be a bit of an anticlimax in that sense because everyone's been talking up the quadruple. But uh, I would like to have seen this team win the league. I also don't think Manchester City are that strong this season. You know, they don't have uh, an out-and-out striker. They seem to have very similar players. I, you know, I'm not sure they needed Jack Grealish. I'm a Jack Grealish fan. Uh, I don't like Ria uh, Mares as a as a player. I don't like that type of. Um, I love a left sided player, but I don't like a kind of left sided player who just looks a bit poncy like him. You know, I like an Arjen Robin who's just very sort of destructive. You know what he's going to do, but you can't stop him. Ria Mares, you know, he's got the arms moving about. He's always twisting and turning. You know, it's just not my kind of player. A bit like Patrick Berger in the uh, mid nineties had the hair looked. You know, looked like he was the world's best player aesthetically, but uh, he always just, always never really completely convinced me on the pitch. I don't really like that uh, that kind of player. But uh, point being, I still have that childish quality. I'm able to distance myself from the pain of being a football fan and obviously being one of those, uh, you know, 1970s Southern-based uh, glory hunters taken after my cousin supporting Liverpool. The geographic distance in, in the last 20 years has allowed me to 
you know that separate myself from from the the, the defeats they don't hurt me in the way they would, I suppose, a normal football supporter who supports their local team. I'm lucky in that respect. I, I think if I supported a London team, it would be very hard to separate myself from that and I'd still be into football in a in a um, a bigger way. But there is still that childish quality about me that when it's been a bad weekend for my team at a crucial stage of the season, I can't read the reports. And it was the last time I felt like this was when Liverpool lost 7-2 to Aston Villa last season in that, you know, what was such a strange season and an even stranger result. That was just such a strange game. And it's hard to imagine that that happened under Jurgen Klopp and, you know, with uh, Van Dyke in the team. Michael Owen made the most outrageous claim last week that I've ever heard from any football pundit. You can't make those kind of claims. Football is a game of opinions, as I tweeted. But that was just such a stupid claim. One that I don't think anyone was entitled to make. Van Dyke, the best ever defender, the best all-time defender. You know, better than Baracy, better than Beckenbauer. He's not even the best Liverpool defender. He's not even the best number four Liverpool have ever had. I'd put Mark Lawrenson and Phil Thompson above him. Yes, he's a he's a brilliant player. I don't think he's the same player since his injury, but he's been a brilliant player for Liverpool. Let's enjoy him while he's here. But what the best all-time defender? Really? So people like Franco Baresi, who played at the top for 20 years, suddenly Van Dijk, who's, you know, Liverpool is, well, Celtic was the first big club he was at, but that's in the Scottish Premier uh, League. That's a far weaker league. Liverpool is the first uh, uh, team he's played for in a very strong league, and he's only been there four years. And you're telling me that in those four years, he's done more than Franco Baresi has done in 20 years. The thing is, it is a game of opinions, but those pundits are being paid to teach us more about the game. And quite frankly, the BT Sport pundits, uh, I think maybe Owen Hargreaves aside, you know, just uh, top of my head, uh, the rest of them, uh, you know, Rio Ferdinand thinks he's better than he is. He thinks he's the Gary Neville of BT Sport, to be fair, he probably is, but that's... uh, you know, he's still, you, you couldn't imagine him being on Sky, but Michael Owen, that was just a, a ridiculous claim. And if I was BT Sport, I think, is this the kind of pundit that we want who makes statements like that that are just completely ridiculous? They might think then, well, it gets people talking. There's a little herd podcaster who started moaning about this on his uh, little herd show last week. I don't know. Let's move on. Housing. Nothing much happening on the housing front. I think I mentioned to you last week that uh, I noticed because I've got, uh, you know, my my housing waiting list uh, account and I have to check that every week that uh, in my account, uh, studio flats in the Vauxhall area have been coming up that are now owned by the council and they're over £950 a week for a studio flat, no bills included. That is just pure greed on the uh, borough's part. It is insane. Housing in London is insane. Not much on the writing front. I'm really concerned at the situation, you know, the mental situation from living like I am. And also the, you know, the the amount of time I'm putting into the gigs, it has affected the writing. I can't lie about it. Obviously, you know, writing does feed into the stand-up. But uh, first and foremost, I'm a writer. And, uh, you know, I think my other writing projects are, are slipping. It'll be another case of going into the cafe later today. And hopefully there by about 10, 100, 10, 30 hours and seeing what I can do. If I can try and find some focus, you know, all too often I'm just looking for gigs or trying to find bringers and having to tweet and, you know, looking for plus ones, which rarely works. So that's something I need to get on top of. Running, I 
did okay last week. Uh, ran out of time to do my uh, usual 6K on Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday ahead of a gig or wherever I was going on Wednesday. Let me check. I can't remember where I was on Wednesday. Never been able to say Wednesday correctly. Is it Wednesday? Wednesday. That's the... Uh, excuse me. That's the um, bilingual kid in me. Where was I... Last Wednesday, oh no, last Wednesday I actually, yeah, ran out of time. That was uh, so I was at home for the City Real Madrid game, so the Madrid City game. And that, what a what a turn up uh, that was the last few minutes. Uh, how that game changed. Yes, I uh, lost a gig at uh, Joker Comedy in Arles Court last Wednesday. Another gig I lost because I couldn't find a bringer, which was a shame because that's one of my favourite venues. Although, uh, I, you know, one of those venues that I've done where I could see that if they don't have the bringer system in place, uh, they're not going to get much of a turnout. But uh, I was disappointed to lose out on more stage time. I've just lost so much, which is why I'm trying to just lift myself out of this uh, bringer level, uh, the, the, this level of the uh, of the uh, circuit. By the way, uh, yeah, on the Liverpool-Man City game, sorry, the Man City-Real Madrid game, that meant, of course, there couldn't be a Man City-Liverpool Champions League final, which I was happy about. One, because I didn't think Liverpool would beat City in the final. Mind you, Real Madrid looked formidable despite having one of the weakest Madrid sides that I've ever seen. Madrid, that was the first time I think I've ever wanted Madrid to win a game uh, last week against uh, City. But it means, of course, uh, you know, I don't like seeing uh, European finals with both teams from the same country. That's not what you want in European football. Not having a Liverpool-Man City final this year, that means there won't be a repeat of what was the 1979 Sabucho FA Cup uh, final held at Mayflower, which was won by Liverpool uh, 4-3. And uh, yeah, so I lost that uh, gig last week. I did manage to get out for a short run that evening before the Madrid City game. I got back just after the show had uh, started. And then on Friday, I did another 6K, which was better than Monday's one. I'm still so far removed from where I was, you know, five or six months ago. But uh, I've got so much going on. It's just getting out there and doing something I don't particularly uh, enjoy. At least I'm still doing it. At least I've still got that uh, discipline. If uh, if I had a friendlier park without those climbs, you know, when I'm on that climb at the start and you've got all the all the bird muck and I'm, I don't even have the legs on that climb to just run on the other side away from the bird muck and the good thing is that when I'm running before a gig I always think I'm going to be okay tonight it's going to have to be a really bad gig if it's going to be more painful than this run is right now and that always tends to uh, work for me let me give you an overheard then podcasted on little herd show this week 3rd of may 2022 87 bus southbound upper deck 1452 hours Young girl on her phone behind me. I went Canberra Sands the other day. It was rubbish. Absolute shit. So on the stand-up, an up-and-down week, but I'm not letting the down get me down because I think I have a good idea of where I am on the circuit and the level that I can operate at, and I'm experienced enough just... I think not not necessarily as a stand up just just uh, you know at this age now to to keep things uh, uh have a good perspective on things you know to to keep a, a balanced mind on things not beat myself up too much when a night hasn't gone uh, so well 
and I did uh, so I lost a Joker gig on Wednesday and I was a bit uh, rusty going into a gig on on Thursday I am uh, I keep saying I'm the kind of guy who needs to do things over and over again to be on top of my game so I did two gigs in Borough on Thursday and Friday night relatively local to me because you know it's South London and it's just uh, nice to have any gigs in uh, South London, well, the parts of South London. I like Borough as an area. I think it's one of the few parts of South London that have that balance of old and new just right. Most of South London just seems to have thrown itself in 100% to gentrification, and we've got some horrendous-looking areas now, you know, uh, Vauxhall, parts of Stockwell, Clapham is horrendous, Brixton is horrendous. Borough, there's still so much history there. You know, you might see some shiny new building, a spectacular building like the Shard, but then you've got, uh, you know, at ground level, you've got so many old buildings still around that really turn heads as much as some of those uh, newer buildings. So I've always liked it. Of course, that's where Resonance was based, so I know the area fairly well. The first gig was a strange one in that it was such a it was only a minute away from the uh, the venue that I did on Friday and it's one of those venues the Thursday one which was so nice and so it was a nice venue a really nice space the MC was lovely and uh, he deserved a, a, a better night it, the weather didn't help I suppose and that's a problem a lot of venues are having, and I did say that to him. You know, you can't really take this um, as, a, as a defeat because I think a lot of venues are struggling. It wasn't a bringer, so again, that means it's relying on trying to get people in on the night. Uh, one of the acts uh, left early, which uh, I'll come to later in relation to the night I did last night. Uh, that that really does irk me. I, I'm of the opinion that if uh, acts can't stay to the end, particularly, you know, on a non-bringer night when an audience is likely to be made uh, up mainly uh, of comics in some instances, you know, to, to leave, to not even have the respect to see another comics act when they've sat through yours, you leave and the audience numbers plummet even more. I just think that's really a poor form. You know, I'm, I'm as, I, as I've told you over the weeks, you know, to save money, I travel to these shows on, on buses. You know, I was in Hornsey a couple of weeks ago and, you know, that was uh, so difficult to get back from and to get to. You know, the first gig I've turned up to late and uh, I still stay to the end. That's That's the commitment I've got to this, you know, and you can always learn from good acts and bad acts. And there are acts... Uh, well, again, I'll save that for, I'll come to that in a, in a moment. But, uh, you know, it was decent to meet a, a nice uh, MC. I think some of them, you know, I'm not I'm not big fan of. And uh, this guy, he was a nice guy. I also think that when I see something that I could clearly see deserves better, such as this particular venue, I, I try to do my bit to promote it. The same as when I do this podcast and there are some small shows out there that, like this show, struggle for an audience, and I go out of my way to plug those shows. So, you know, I've, I've, I've told a, a few uh, decent stand-up uh, people that I, I, I've met who I know, are, are, you know, have decent acts and also as stayers, they don't uh, leave as soon as they can they will stay to the end so uh, you know I've mentioned uh, to these people that they should get in touch uh, or at least at this uh, venue uh, on the Facebook comedy page add them to their um, their, their friends uh, connections their, their, their connections and uh, come on Dave sort it out get your words right 
and it's worth doing it. It's a night I'd do again. It, it was a really lovely space. Uh, the alfresco area was very uh, uh, heavily populated because it was a it wasn't a, a warm evening, but you know the spring here in London has been so bad this year that I think any half decent weather is is going to be uh, is going to be getting people out at the minute. But the night uh, it deserved a bit better. But it's always nice to meet uh, decent new people uh, on 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 the scene on the circuit. And, uh, you know, when it's a monthly night, when the next one comes along, I'll plug that uh, that one too. You know, it's not, uh, I don't plug nights just because I'm, I'm going to be on them. If I think something is good, I'll, I'll do my bit uh, to promote it. The following night, I was just down the road, also in Borough, a couple of uh, uh, stops, sorry, a couple of buildings away from the station. That was at the Trinity Pub, upstairs at the Trinity Pub. That was rammed. There must have been, close, well, between 80 to 100 people in there. Wasn't as nice a venue, I have to say, as the one from the Thursday night. Maybe I had the advantage of being on the main road. It was also a Friday, and I uh, met the um, the MC who was, uh, you know, had, he had some good material, knew how to work the crowd. It was so busy in there though that uh, there were no chairs at the back, and there were quite a few rowdy punters at the back, which not necessarily as a as a as an act. It didn't affect me as an act because there was, uh, you know, you were down one end and and the rowdiness was at the back but I think the lack of chairs maybe and the drinking fueled some of the yapping that was going on at the back it was as an audience member that I was getting irked by that and I put a clip up of the uh, of that show because it went really well I put a clip up of that on all my uh, social media and that's going out to promoters I was able to implement some of the uh, stuff that one or two uh, people on the circuit have told me in terms of uh, stagecraft and in terms of being able to look at the audience. And, you know, the previous night I made a mistake in that uh, because it was such a, a poor turnout, I changed my set at the last moment, which was a real mistake. Um, I, I think I know why I did it, because one of the acts mentioned a person uh, that was part of my set uh, it wasn't that big a deal, but, you know, it was a, a gag I've got. And I thought, OK, you know, that, that just got me thinking I'm, I might actually do this other uh, set. And I wasn't really or I've, I've pulled this off in recent weeks. So I know that I can do it. But there is something about me. My innate shyness does kick in when it's a small night. And, you know, you just had comics. One had left. So we were one down there and then just four people in the audience, uh, one of whom was just on his phone all the time which I think, uh, again, is pretty poor. And I shouldn't. it shouldn't matter, but I do struggle when it's a really small, when, when we're talking small numbers, I really do struggle. And I, I think it's not necessarily about being a bit of a prima donna and only thinking I can get up for the, for the bigger gigs. It's simply that that shyness kicks in and I'm realizing I've got to, you know, make the eye contact with the handful of people that are in here. And it's going to be very difficult. And it was difficult for me. And I, I felt bad for the MC because he'd uh, big me up just before I uh, went on. But, you know, you learn from these things. So the following night, uh, I went up. I had to follow this uh, this act, Sumi, who was really big, very extrovert, funny, I have to say. She was funny. And I think those things for me as an introvert, they really work for me. It ups my level. I felt really confident anyway. I was on towards the end. I think I was the third act from the end. And I think because of her, my, my performance went up another level. Uh, and I was happy with uh, I was happy with what I did. 
know, I'm, I'm hearing again that maybe I ought to consider some uh, acting classes, and I certainly will uh, if they're free. You know, something short term. I, I'm not a big one for the classroom. I just think, you know, get out there, do the stand up, learn. You know, learn on the job, improve on the job, make the mistakes on the job rather than you know reading uh, books. So. That was okay. Last night's gig, easily the worst I've ever done. Just a completely awful venue from start to finish. I felt about 20 years too old for that venue when I stepped in. It was in Angel. It was the Electroworks gig. First time I've ever had my bag searched going into uh, going into a gig. And then I went up on the wrong floor and the whole place looked like a dungeon. It looked like a I'd arrived at some chapter of the Hell's Angels. It was that kind of place. It was part of a festival, so there were people wandering in and out. As soon as I arrived there, I thought, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done this. I'd been given the option of doing an alternative 10 minutes somewhere else at a, at a proper comedy venue, and that'll teach me. I think I've got to be a bit more ruthless. I like to commit to a show when I've signed up for it, but... You know, just the alarm bells were ringing when I turned up to this place. There was a, another act there, a, a fairly well-known name, who a bit of an awkward character. And he wasn't happy at the lack of an audience right away. And through the first couple of acts, he was just head down on his phone trying to find a, a better night to do. And as soon as he found it, he just uh, upped and left, had a quick word with the MC. There were people coming in and out all the time completely drunk I mean completely drunk it wasn't uh, the kind of audience that you would normally get at a, a stand-up gig I think these people were coming in just for the curiosity value and uh, they were being quite disruptive some of them what really irked me is there were nine acts everyone got 10 minutes the end of the night there were only three of the acts myself included who'd stuck the night out you know you do it out of respect for your fellow stand-ups the other six had buggered off and, you know, I've been on the circuit now. I'm familiar enough with a lot of the uh, the faces to know who's going to stick around, who isn't. Uh, the girl who opened the set, I've seen her before. She is very good. She was even better last night. But I knew that as soon as she was done, she was going. And that, that was the case. Didn't stick around for anyone. And I just think if you're not... I don't care what commitments you've got. I've got commitments. Every act has commitments. If you can't stay to the end, don't do the gig. I also think it's a weakness on the promoter's part. And I don't mean specifically last night's promoter. I just mean in general to not enforce this. Uh, you know, and I, I, I did this post on uh, my Facebook comedy page yesterday. And I'm not really one, you know, I don't like Facebook. It took 15 years for me to have a personal page again but it's you know I can't complain because I get my gigs through that page but I did post on there last night about this and uh, predictably I think there's been some messages at least one already from a you know a comedian who's saying you know there's nothing worse than performing to um, a bunch of comics who are being held hostage meaning that they have to stay and yeah I, I agree with that but at the same time We've got at the moment, you know, like like I think any other uh, comic on the circuit, I don't want to do the bringer nights because I'm, it, it's more pressure. It takes away from your preparation. It's also more costly. You have to buy, you know, drinks. You have to do the decent thing. And it can affect your preparation. And I just, I, I want to get away from that because obviously the, the better nights are going to be the ones where you don't need to bring anybody and they can bring in an audience but uh, there was neither of that last night. So there were no bringers, no audience. And that, that's a problem that's still at this level is, there is a, uh, there's a lot of venues out there, a lot of nights that don't have a bringer. 
but you go there and there's just not much of an audience. So that is why you have these uh, bringer gigs. So it's a very difficult one to weigh up. I think if you're not going to have bringer gigs, it should be mandatory for every act to plug the show, the upcoming show on social media. And I think there should be a commitment to stay to the end of the night. Otherwise, you don't have them again. If I was going to promote my own night, you know, I'm learning so much about this. I'd have a night, no bringers, no bucket collections, but it would be mandatory to plug the show on social media and I would check to see what's being done about that. And you have to stay. As good as that girl was who opened the show last night, I wouldn't have her any anywhere near any of my shows. You know, I've seen her a few times now. She doesn't even know I'm a, I'm, I'm a comic. She's never, you know, she's never hung around for my set. That's just so disrespectful. And I, you know, I'm vocal about this. I told the promoter last night and I had a really bad gig last night, but I'm not going to count that as a normal gig because my level is Friday. You know, Thursday, I made a mistake. If I'm going to have a bad night, I want to, I want to be able to learn from it. The only thing I learned last night from the Electroworks gig is don't do that kind of night. It's not a proper stand-up night. It was part of a festival. Lots of piss heads. Don't do those nights, you know. Have more respect for your work. Do different nights. That's what I learned. But yeah, the comedians would have to stay to the end. And if they're going to complain about that, well, you know, you don't need to do this gig. Go elsewhere. But and sometimes you feel like you can't tell the promoter because you've seen the, um, and I see this a lot, the person does their set as soon as they can or as soon as there's an interval, they hug you know, you see them hugging the promoter and they're leaving early and not hanging around to see your set. I don't care what commitments you've got. I don't care if you've got kids. I don't care if you've got an early start in the morning. If you have those commitments, don't do the gig. Don't do that night. We all have commitments. You know, I'd like to be home early. I'd like to, you know, be resting more. But I know that I'm going to be at a gig that's going to be till 2,200 hours, 2,300 hours, and it's going to be a late night. That's the commitment I've made. The promoter has been kind enough to give me stage time. Uh, they're good enough to make sure it's not a bringer night. So, okay, so what do we do in turn for, for the promoter and the night? Well, this is this is it. That's part of our uh, that's part of our commitment, you know. And uh, again, a post on the Facebook page. This guy was saying it's not for comedians to stay to the end. Maybe it isn't, but how about from a respect point of view and how about from a curiosity point of view and learning from the good and the bad that you might see on a night rather than acting all big time and all selfish, just doing your own set and then buggering off. That's, uh, that irks me and I'm not going to keep uh, quiet about that. And every act that I'd seen prior to last night, who I'd seen leave early, I knew they'd do the same last night and, and they didn't disappoint. You know, if there was a... There were bookies taking bets on that. I'd have done really well uh, last night. So that's frustrating. I'm in danger of, uh, you know, I've got a £25 clap-off competition gig uh, tonight. Uh, you know, I'm not really fussed about winning these things, though the 25 quid would uh, help me recoup some of the uh, mousetrap costs. That's in Good Street. So I'm going to give you the gigs at the moment. Let me just bring up this picture uh, at the moment, that's looking unlikely. It's looking like I'm going to lose this gig tonight. This is the 25 quid clap off. Uh, 12 comics on tonight. Starts 7.30, the Carpenter's Arms in Good Street, W1. You'll find it on my social media links as well. That's tonight. So I've got 
I've got probably about four or five hours. It's 08, 13 hours now. I've got four or five hours to find a plus one for tonight or I'm losing this. If I was to win this, and I'm not saying I will, if I was to win this, then I get a 10-minute spot next Monday at the same venue. So I thought it was worth doing from that point of view. If you're able to make that show tonight as my plus one, if you're around central London, do message me or drop me an email uh, DRT available at westegg1607.co.uk. I just uh, I can't lose more gigs. It looks like I've already lost another competition gig tomorrow. That's at Rising Star Comedy in Bloomsbury. Uh, I had a bad night there a few weeks ago, so I'm keen to go back there and and and, and do better. But uh, they need a bringer. They've just sprung that on me uh, at the weekend. Uh, didn't give me any notice. I've got back to them. I haven't heard back from them yet. At the moment, that looks like it's going to be cancelled. If you can get to Bloomsbury. Uh, tomorrow night and, and, and support me there as my plus one. Again, DRT available at westegg1607.co.uk or just message me on social media. So those are two gigs right now that are uh, in serious danger of being lost, losing more valuable stage time. I've got a South London gig on Wednesday, the 11th of May. That's at the uh, the Florence Comedy at the Flow, the Florence in uh, Herne Hill. That starts at 730 uh, PM 19.30 for consistency. Urinal. Urinal. I need to find a bringer for that as well. And I've also, I mean, it's a bad week for bringers. Freedom Fridge, Rosen Crown, Kentish Town, Thursday 12th of May starts 8 p.m. Doors, 7.30 p.m. And uh, again, a bringer if possible, though they've given me conflicting messages, but I'm working on the basis that I also need a plus one for that. That's Kentish Town, NW5. All of these gigs, of course, are in London. There was a gig years ago that historically I always struggled in. It was called TNT, um, Tuesday nights at Torriano, something like that. That has now shifted, I think, to another pub in Kentish Town. And I did that gig a couple of months ago and, you know, didn't do well there. But uh, I never did, even though this was a different venue. But it was after that that my fortunes changed and I really went up, started uh, improving dramatically. I think the turning point was the Sydenham gig I did in uh, late February, early March. That was a real turning point. That's when I started to believe in myself doing this. But uh, I didn't realize that Freedom Fridge was at Torriano's. Torriano's has been renamed as the Rosen Crown. The venue, the, the basement, looked more like a cellar. Uh, very cold place. I guess that's why it's called the, the fridge. And I didn't realize until the end that that was the place. It looked so much smaller. That was used to be Torriano's, where I'd had probably the worst gigs I'd done up until last night. Three or four bad performances there in 2011 and 2012. And at Freedom Fridge, I did really well, albeit in front of a small audience. So uh, without knowing retrospectively looking into that gig I, I realized that uh, I'd uh, scratched the bogeyman venue off uh, off my list hard swallow there 0816 so those are the plus ones that I need this week uh, three of them is it three yeah so meant to be doing tonight at the moment that's in the balance that'd be a real blow if I lose that Tomorrow uh, looks like I'm going to lose that Rising Star in Bloomsbury. Uh, got the Hearn Hill one, the Florence on Wednesday and uh, Thursday as well. So let's see. I'll be lucky at the moment if I can salvage uh, a couple of those uh, gigs. I'm 
quite relaxed once I'm there. Still got the anxieties building up when I'm traveling to the gigs, but you know when I'm there, it's uh, it's it's okay. I'm timing the sets at home, you know, trying to bring in yesterday's gig to under ten minutes, so I, I have a good idea. I, I I run through my sets, then I start timing it as I'm finding my flow, and then when I'm running over as I was by a couple of minutes, I start to think about okay, what can get dropped to speed this up. And, you know, I just work it out. Then I record my set. I listen to it on the bus. I was so tired yesterday, though, that when I was listening listening back to my set, I was just making mistakes, one or two mistakes. The gig last night, though, was horrendous. By the time I went on uh, around 10 hundred hours myself and to the two final acts, well, I was one of the two final acts. We got uh, flashed, lit up early, which is what the MCs do when your time's coming up. We were meant to have 10-minute spots. So the people that left that didn't hang around, they got their 10 minutes. The, the comedians that stuck around, we didn't get our 10 minutes. Mind you, I was happy to to just get off the stage. It was uh, rowdy. And then by the time I got on, it was actually quite dead. And, you know, my material was never going to work at that place in, in front of that audience. I could see the haunted look on the uh, one act who had to come on after me. The other act that had stayed behind, I think he was on his phone. There was a guy right at the back uh, who had decided to balance, uh, I think, uh, six wine glasses on top of each other. There were people talking. uh, One of the comedians had a toothpick in his mouth. I made eye contact with him. He looked haunted knowing he was having to go on after me on uh, on that night. And, you know, I had to see it through. It was uh, it was it wasn't a good experience. These experiences can diminish you, but as I say, I can't let it override the memory of Friday and how well that went because I think Friday is where I'm at. That is where I'm at. These are the nights. Sunday uh, last night. That's the kind of night I need to uh, eliminate. So it's a, it's a it's a difficult one. It's not helped by you know having to do type fives. You know I do want to get away from that I want to get away as well from having to rely on people you know to to, to come along to gigs and, and there have not been you know many to be honest who've, who've helped with that so again it's just uh, I want to be responsible for for getting these gigs and not having to worry about anything else all, all I need to worry about is the uh, performance so yes if you can make any of these gigs please do tweet me or message me on whatever social media we we follow each other on or just drop me an email drt available at westegg1607.co.uk episode 387 daniel ruiz tyson is available follow the show on twitter and instagram at 1607 westegg facebook.com forward slash drt available that's the old group page still active on that and you've got the facebook comedy page uh, drt comedy if you want to add yourself to that find all my work at daniel ruiz tyson.com and there's the patron page that keeps this show alive, of course, patreon.com forward slash DRT available. Appreciate those of you who continue to support the podcast. And of course, you can also support the work via PayPal and uh, coffee.com. Uh, Links to those on my uh, website. Reviews on whichever platform you use would also be welcome. Signs that uh, the stand up gigs are helping the slow growth of the show. But, uh, you know, still no new uh, reviews Uh, coming up to 400 episodes, just 67 reviews on Apple Podcasts, for instance. You know, the more reviews you have, the way the algorithms work, the the bigger the chances of uh, new listeners finding their way 
to the show. Uh, some housekeeping uh, for patrons. Not many of you left. Uh, what I've done today, and a message has gone out to all of you, is I, I've changed the tiers. It's the first uh, change in the 30, 31 plus months of uh, doing this. And a message has gone out, and I'd just like to be clear, it's not motivated by money because short term is definitely costing me money. I felt that the uh, bigger tier, the all-in-one, uh, I couldn't justify charging uh, twelve fifty uh, for that. Uh, more so since when shorts were sh- uh, when shorts were shorts. I can't even say the name now, which is no bad thing. Since that show is dormant and there's no plans to bring it back because it's highly unlikely I'm going to have the money to to pay for an editor, and I'm not going to do that work myself. I can see, you know, the the, the growth and the pathway. Uh, emerging, uh, getting clearer on the stand-up circuit when shorts were short. It's just me again, you know, pissing in the wind, really, for want of a better word. It's just more work for for no gain whatsoever and for a similar audience that is not going to plug or or promote the show or share the show. So I just felt I couldn't justify that cost. I've dropped that uh, tier now to, um, I think it's, let me just check need to check that it's dropped uh, considerably right should have checked this it's not an easy page for creators to use uh, the patreon page i've told them that this morning uh, when i um, replied to their their latest email let me just uh, check here okay so yeah the all-in-one has dropped by two pounds fifty a month it's now just uh, ten pounds i'll be sticking you know stand-up clips on there any uh, any um, pieces of writing that I maybe come up with in, in relation to this show, I'll also uh, stick that on there for the all-in-one. I need to work out how I change that tier name. I've contacted them, and I'm waiting for Patreon to come back to me. So that's uh, that's a positive change uh, in relation to the bottom tier, which is the one most of you are on. I've upped that from five fifty to six pounds. 50. I know that that may mean some of you drop out. I uh, thank you for your support up until now. I just need to, you know, value my work. It, you know, even when the all in one was uh, 12.50, I'm still making very little money for this. As I say, I couldn't justify the 12.50, but I think I can justify six pounds 50. I still think, despite the tiny audience, this is one of the best podcasts out there, and you know that it's going to be out every Monday. That's my commitment to the show. But I, you know, I just need to be making a bit more than I'm doing from from this in order to try and pay at least a, a couple of bills every month, and of course. Uh, short term, it's uh, it's a step back for me financially. It's going to cost me, but I'm hoping that long term, it works out. And I would, you know, I'd, I'd still say that you're, you know, those of you who are uh, on the bottom tier, if I can get my words out, are still getting a fairly good deal. And there's sixty or seventy bonus shows up on that uh, up on that page, and I hope that. Uh, those of you who've been with the show uh, long term can see uh, and know me well enough to to see I'm not motivated uh, by money. This is just a long term strategy, trying to balance things out, trying to get a fairer deal for everyone. And at the moment, for the higher patrons, the higher tier patrons, I couldn't justify that. I didn't think it was uh, fair on them. Uh, moving on to books, I'm reading The Accordionist uh, this week, Fred Vargas, my favorite of the three books of the three evangelists because I've not really enjoyed the first two. This this is easily my favourite one. This was shortlisted for the CWA International Dagger Prize 2018. Not sure what that is. Crime Writers Association, uh, perhaps. And I think this one is written 22 years on from the first book. 
because the first two, I'm pretty sure, certainly the first one was 1995. So it's interesting that she's uh, revisited uh, this uh, these characters 25, nearly 30 years later. The blurb, Hard Swallow 0826, this has turned out to be a, a, a long show, decent show, hopefully. When two Parisian women are murdered in their homes, the police suspect young accordionist Clement Vauqueur, as he was seen outside both of the apartments in question. It seems like an open and shut case. Desperate for a chance to prove his innocence, Clement disappears. He seeks refuge with old Marta, the only mother figure he has ever known, who calls in ex-special investigator Louis Kellweiler. Louis, uh, sorry, it's Louis. Louis is soon faced with his most complex case yet, and he calls on some unconventional friends to help him. He must show that Clement is not responsible and solve a fiendish riddle to find the killer. Enjoying it, racing uh, through it, uh, reading it really because it needed to be returned. Going to cough here, so I'll pause. I'm back. Pleasantly surprised then by how decent this uh, this book is because certainly wasn't among my first choices to, to read. Uh, local news of Pret-a-Manger opening in Stockwell on the site of my uh, old Nat West. It means that their cash point, which they said would be maintained, is now gone. There's only one cash point there which is by the Sainsbury's local, went to withdraw some money, I think on Thursday or Friday, and uh, inevitably no money available at the, uh, the that cash point by the Sainsbury's local wasn't working. And uh, it's interesting, these areas that are gentrifying or trying to gentrify as in Stockwell's case, they seem to make a success. The high street chains will always make a success wherever they go. It's They've got their reputation, their brand, people gravitate there. But the, uh, the indie ones, such as the Stockwell Continental Cafe that closed a few weeks ago, they still seem to overestimate, I think, the impact of gentrification. As, as I've said recently, they don't seem to do their homework, don't really know what kind of community they're catering for. But I've no no doubt that the Stockwell Pret will do really well. I mean, it's hard to remember Pret-a-Manger. has been around for over 30 years now. Um, I've never been a, a fan of their food or their coffee. Their, 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 their cafes seems to have taken off in the last 10, 12 years. I remember I was leaving room 11 uh, for one of the last times back in December 2010, what a dark winter that was. And uh, that's the first time I saw one of those opening up. And uh, that was Pret making its first uh, stab at turning itself, you know, having getting in basically on some of that cafe action. So one of the local nutters, this woman who used to abuse me when I, in my first year of running in, in the park, she's a really strange character wearing masks before the pandemic. Um, completely black outfit, black helmet, uh, on a bike with a pimp stick, basically. I know where she lives uh, because I pass her place and see her coming out of there. She's she's on a ground floor next to a medical practice, has the filthiest neck curtains ever. I'm a big fan of neck curtains, but she makes a bad case for nets. I saw her coming out of her property last week and she was hand-gelling her gloves which was just very odd, but very much in keeping with uh, with her character. Right, so let's get, we're getting close to the end. Let me give you my uh, nectar points. Opening balance was 427. I bought uh, two cartons of Long Life milk. The Sainsbury's ones, they're much more, uh, much more, I'm not sure what that sound was, much more awkward to, uh, to open, but looking at them they've got no plastic on them unlike the little ones so i think really uh, 
I'm always mentally, I feel happier buying the Sainsbury's ones, even though they're a bit pricier. Uh, but uh, from an environmental point of view, they're uh, they're better. Why do you care, Dave? You're not even you know you're not going to be around 10, 15 years. You got no kids. Why do you leave? Well, you know why do you care about what the world's going to be like? Uh, more halls, sugar-free lozenges, pay the extra six p in Sainsbury's. Uh, bought an emergency pasty for 90p and and the uh, the usual uh, pro yogurt low fat yogurt one pound 60 so opening balance 427 only earned four points new points balance 431 worth two pounds 15 closing in on that magical 250 nectar points mark talked myself into a, a stupor uh, today right uh, star wars football League Cup, uh, first round, second leg results. Uh, 2nd of May, Besbin 2, Hoth 0, the all-Division uh, 1 clash. Uh, that's uh, old-school Division 1. We didn't uh, do the uh, Premier League thing. Uh, so Besbin... Uh, did Besbin reach, last? Yeah, Besbin reached last season's final where they lost 2-0 to Tatooine. They, they ran out 2-0 uh, winners. First leg was one all at Hoth. Uh, Powell was man of the match, the young captain, uh, the young defender rather for for Besbin. Uh, Skywalker, there was a, a new R two D two. He scored in the third minute for Besbin, opened the scoring, and uh, Skywalker, who was actually the first ever Star Wars vintage character I bought from Bon Marsh in uh, Brixton in the. Uh, I won't give the, uh, the 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 date away, but it was a long, long time ago. And not in a galaxy far away. He got the second goal, so Besbin go through. Uh, interestingly, by the end of the game, when they brought in a couple of players, Reyes, Ergnaut, there were six former Rebels players in that Besbin uh, team. In the clash of the new boys, uh, Division One new boys, Concord Dawn and uh, Apex Overlook, Concord Dawn were 2 0 up from the first leg, and they ran out uh, fortunate 1 0 winners. Apex Overlook had largely controlled the game. Uh, Gattuso was man of the match, and it was Ray who scored again for Concord Dawn just after the break. Takadan, uh, all Division 2 clash. Takadan become the only uh, Division 2 side in the last eight. They beat Hosnian Prime 2-0. The first leg was uh, 1-0 to Hosnian Prime. So they're the only side that managed to turn around a first leg deficit. That means the League Cup quarterfinal draw was made. That was made on the 6th of May. Uh, Holders Tatooine, they're at home in the first leg to Empire. They met yesterday in the league, more of which shortly. Besbin meet X-Wing. I think that was the first ever League Cup final back in 82 when X-Wing then in the old second division beat Besbin. Can't remember the score off the top of my head. Concord Dawn, they're at home in the first leg to second division Takadan. And in the uh, third of the all Division One, uh, all Division One clashes. What is happening there? I'm struggling nasally today. Aldron uh, meet Death Star. I'll swallow the league. League Week Six. No league action in April at all. Uh, that was owing to my sibling being here, so I fell behind with the fixtures. Aldron were one goal up against Concord Dawn, undeservedly so. Uh, they were leading at the break, the 11th goal of the season from uh, B-Wing. I think he was credited with a goal. It's possible it was an own goal, but another classic diving header from him. Uh, he's, uh, there's, there's a touch of the Roberto Bettiger about him. And uh, Concord Dorn, though, they got a deserved equaliser two, three minutes from the end, an own goal from uh, Nikto. Sorry, 45 seconds from the end, so right at the death 
And uh, there were one or two debuts for Concord Dawn, including Nian Nam, who was uh, man of the match. Brilliant performance from him. Another shock of later that evening, Apex Overlook beat Death Star 1-0 to secure their second win in the league. And that lifted them up briefly to fifth place. Uh, Girl from Raya also making her debut. There were several debuts that night, including one, I need to find out his name, Goatee, who's a big unit. He, he looks like the Van Dyke of uh, Star Wars football. He's going to be a great player, I think. Immense presence. Very, very strong. Good on the ball. And uh, Apex Overlook can be really pleased with that signing. Uh, another fixture, this is why my back was hurting yesterday, uh, this is also from Saturday the 7th, X-Wing nil Rebels 2, a surprise win for the team, four times champions going into that game in bottom place, uh, goals from, was it a known goal first, no goals from Endor Leia on uh, coming up to six minutes and then in the second half a debut goal from uh, Seal a really nice finish from a, a Luke Besbing cross on 26 minutes. So uh, that was a poor result for X-Wing. And uh, yesterday, ahead of their uh, League, Club, uh, League Cup, not League Club, League Cup clash in a few weeks' time, Empire at home to Tatooine Empire were two and a half minutes away from landing a surprise win against the uh, seven times champions. Tatooine equalized through sub-medical droid two and a half minutes from the end. General Riken in the Empire Girl put in a brilliant performance. He was man of the match. Absolutely outstanding performance. Uh, certainly kept Empire in the game, uh, especially in the first half when uh, it was just uh, the, the shots were just raining down on that Empire Go. Uh, cafe news, uh, just a brief uh, visit. Uh, prices up uh, on the coffee, 20p each. Uh, Seb K told me that this was prompted by electricity bills, the spike in electricity bills, completely shocking the, uh, the young owner. Uh, he said the prices for this time of year have jumped from three grand to over six grand, and uh, the, the young guy didn't hesitate to push the prices up. To be fair, they didn't want to pass those costs on to punters and have kept the cost of the lattes down for the last, uh, well, in the pandemic era. But, uh, you know, understandably, they can't do that now. It's complicated things for me. It means that I now can't tip the way I used to. So I have to rely on having some loose change for the tip. It's a bit like the bucket collection at uh, comedy gigs. It's just uh, more shame on my part. But you know what? There's, uh, they'll be aware that there are loads of people struggling now. Uh, 4th of May, there was another bouffant in the cafe. I've since had my haircut, actually. I'll, I'll, I'll mention that. Uh, that was on Friday lunchtime. I think it's a mistake to do the Friday lunchtime haircut or lunchtime haircut at any point. I, that's what I learned from Friday. So next time, I had the same guy who did it last time. And uh, he didn't cut my hair the way I wanted him to last time. So this time I was on his case and uh, he looked pissed off when I told him I, I, I'd asked for it to be uh, shorter and then I had to fix one or two little areas when I got home. He's uh, not so easy to do now with the the eyesight. The eyes, Dave, uh, not so easy uh, to do now. And they put their prices up by a couple of quid. <sighs> what can you say? Everything is, uh, you know, everything's going up. Okay. 
everything's going up it's uh, it's madness so yeah i've lost the uh, lost the bouffant now needed to uh, feel happier about that but uh, I, I also made sure that i largely not completely but i got the haircut that i wanted that i asked for not the haircut he felt i should have or the haircut that he was bothered to to, to give uh, two new waitresses in the cafe one doesn't speak english and i use my portuguese uh, my basic portuguese to get around that the other waitress, a bit older, blonde hair, tied back, scraped back, a bit like the Croydon facelift, blue eyeliner, which is something I never really liked. Is it blue eyeliner? Yeah, on, you know, on the on the eyelids, uh, very big in the Spanish community up until the 90s. It's not a look that I, I, I liked. Um, she looked like a peak years, uh, much like mine, were about 20 years ago, maybe longer in her case. Uh, she made me look like I was still at my peak. Uh, she's missing quite a few teeth. The other one, slightly younger, the other waitress, uh, she tucked her unironed jumper into her trousers. That was a curious look. The recruitment, aside from the stable core of uh, Seb K, uh, Phil Collins, uh, the mullet and the uh, and the beard, and the illustrated man when he's around, it's, it's uh, aside from that stable core. It's crazy these days. There's a high turnaround. It's I don't know. The recruitment never used to be like that. People just aren't sticking around in the job. I think the shifts are so long that it does put a lot of uh, people off uh, work in there now. And that is it. That is the end of this week's show. Now it's time for you to get those shoulders back. Keep on walking towards the sun. If you're able to share the show on social media when when you see the links, if it's not going to kill you, please do. We'll be appreciated and noted. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson and this start of the week, I have been available. 